Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Okay, <clears throat> listen, let me, let me back up for just a second and talk about what we talked about last week. Uh, just for a minute, just just to start there and come back. Last week, in the the material that I was looking over, it had about that much in it, and I knew that it would take us uh, longer than eight o'clock. I want to do my best to get everybody out of here by eight o'clock so that we don't um, uh, step on your time because people's lives. You got to get ready for work the next day. Some of you may be here tonight and hadn't had supper yet. Uh, you have to get get your kids and get them ready for school the next day. So we want to be attentive to your time. So 8 o'clock is our goal to stop before or by 8 o'clock, if at all possible. Uh, so anyway, I broke it up because I knew that it would go over. And uh, <clears throat> um, that's why I want to go back over just, just a touch from last week. Last week, we said before the sun was set... Before there was a star placed in the sky, God set his sights on your soul. Before the foundation of the world, the Bible says in Ephesians, and, and I'll get to that in a minute. Before the foundations of the world, God was looking at you. God was making plans for you. For me, for everyone. Now, that's amazing. It, last week, we talked about, well, I, I told you a story about uh, a parent, <clears throat> a mom and dad, looking to adopt a child because they couldn't have one. And we went through the whole process that they went through. Some of you may have had to go through the same thing. But it's not a small thing to do. It's huge. This was even out of this country, uh, and it made it even harder for them uh, to jump through all the hoops and everything that they had to go through. So because of that, uh, we learned that the initiative starts with the parents in adoption. It doesn't start with the child. It starts with adoption. And God has given us the the, the spirit of adoption. We We are sons and daughters because... We are adopted through Jesus Christ. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Before anything. He's got it all planned out, guys. Exactly. We can rest. We can, we can be joyful. We can lay all of our worries, all of our cares down. God's got it. He's got it. We make it tough. We make it hard. All we have to do is, is rest in him. Amen. <clears throat> because he initiated the adoption process before the foundations of the world began. <clears throat> he chose before the foundations of the world and predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to his purpose and his grace. Ephesians 1. <clears throat> so nothing in the Christian life Nothing is born out of merit. Nothing. 
Now, we don't get that as Christians, generally speaking. We don't, we, don't, we don't understand that. We don't process that very well because we want to be all about merit. If you merit something, then you'll get it. If you earn it, you get it. If, you're, if you have a certain value or a certain worth, that's what merit means. So we want to be worthy of God's grace and God's love. And guess what? It'll never happen. Romans 3.23. What does it say? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And it also 6.23. What was that? I'm trying to remember what we're supposed to have learned. 6.23 is... is, Yes, Romans 6.23 is um, the... um, uh, we all have sin, and there's a price that we pay for sin. Because the wages of sin is Say it again, say it out loud. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is Are you reading that over there? <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. <clears throat> a little sneaker. I want one, I want a, I want a frame back here where I can read it too. Gee whiz. Y'all are cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then you come over here and sit down. <laughs> but that's what it's all about. God had a plan for everything. God has a plan for our future, for everything. He. Do we not realize just how much He loved us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? We do. But it's just overwhelming how awesome His grace is for us. We have everything through His grace. If we would accept that truth, Janice, how amazing His grace really and truly is. That that's it's it's powerful. Nothing in the Christian life is born out of merit. There's we have we are literally creatures with no value. Now, God has put value in us, but there's nothing that we do to gain value. He loved us before when we were valueless is what we're talking about. The people that are out there that hopefully one day will be able to, we're praying for revival. So it's, it's the salvation and then comes the next step, which we've fallen down on. And I pray that this church change its direction and it's discipleship. To, to, to see somebody saved for years and years and years and years and years, 20 plus years, more. <clears throat> Janice, we would go from church to church to church and see literally hundreds at the altar. Hundreds. And no follow-up. I don't know of a church. There was one church that came awful close. But I know of none. That actually, when the ones that we went to, because we'd call back in a few weeks and see how things are going. It's just something that the church has fallen down on. That's the negative side. We're going to talk about just changing all that. And the only group that's had positive to a point had been Billy Graham. Mm-hmm. But then they only carry it for a few weeks and just drop it. But they don't just drop it. They, they, 
they don't just drop it, they, they give it back to where it's supposed to be, and that's supposed to be the pastors. And, 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 and where that's true. And this is why we are teaching discipleship. Exactly why. That's exactly why we're doing this, is so that it's not dropped. And if we become a people that love people so much that we pour into them, God's love into them, even after the, for the salvation, because we don't even do that. But then afterwards, if someone accepts Christ as Lord and Savior, there, there's a whole world out here that they know nothing of. Exactly. And so we need to become the, those disciples. We need to get into that. <clears throat> so nothing in the Christian life is born out of merit. <clears throat> um, and merit is to deserve. That's what we mean by that. Or to earn or it's our worth or our value. And we have none. None that we can, can, can produce in ourselves. But then he's not finished with us. He then provides us with the power, with the power to use us. Now you think I'd, I might have said something different. But we need to use us up. We're sitting back and, 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 and we just like racehorses that never get in the race. And we need to be used up. When, when we stand in front of our Father and we say, here I am. Well, you hadn't been used up. Why haven't you used yourself up? Because he will fill us up. I think Don, Pastor Don was talking about that Sunday, wasn't he? Use your, is it either this Sunday or this time before? But we need to be used up. Fill me up, Lord. You get full and you never, you never get unfull. It's just like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea's dead because it doesn't go out. The water comes in, but nothing goes out. And it's dead, stagnant, dead. We can't be that way. We can't be that way. Let me stay on point. <clears throat> so he, he then provides us with the power to use us. Now he says, Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He does not say, you go make fishers of men. He doesn't say that. That's not what he says. He says, I'm going to do this in you. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Again, it, he's do, done everything. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to do it in you. Now, he also says, grace is going to transform you. If you read the scripture, that's what it's saying. Grace is what transforms us. Mm -hmm. it, it transforms us into something that he can use. And he's given it to us. It's not something that we aren't. Now, when God says, go do this and go do this and, and go do that. When God says in his word, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. That's kind of a tough one, isn't it? Why, do, why does God set it up like this? When he seems to give us commandments, rules to live by, to go by, and they seem to be so unattainable, is he setting us up to fail? Why does God do that? What? Hang on. 
learn how to let him flow through us. Well, that's why Jesus said all these other commandments, while they're true and valid, with that one commandment that's most valid for you yeah. is to love God and then love your neighbors as you've learned to love yourself in your relationship with God. Right. <clears throat> then it, it's like Jesus saves our soul, then he gives our body back and says, now, begin worshiping the Lord with Again, uh, walking like I walk. Yeah. Yeah. Lydia, you had something. No, it was just about the fast. Well, okay. If we don't, look, it's just so clear. It's easy. I mean, we. <laughs> then why have you kept it a secret if it's so easy? <laughs> yeah, I want to know. I know. I know. It's not easy. It's not easy when we're doing it, trying to do it ourselves. That's the part. That's the When we're trying to do it ourselves, it's an impossible task. It's impossible. But when you, when the Spirit of God lives in you and you allow Him to love through you. When you allow Him to love through you. Work through you. You allow Him to use the gifts through you. It all works. But you see, we don't even, it, it doesn't seem to be that we even do that. Go ahead, Nate. You about to pop. I think one of the issues is this. Yeah, we are. Well, I, I think one of the issues is this, is that when when God asks a question and God is sovereign, mm -hmm. if God is sovereign, then there is no and a, and a, and a, uh, there is no reason to ask a question. But God asks questions. And the reason why God asks questions is not because of the information. He's trying to push us to revelation he's pushing us to to act he's saying you stand here too long you, you need to be out doing I, I say go out into the highway and hedges and compel he didn't say stay here and ask people to come in you no. need to go out yeah and so he says so when when we have a a a, a Sovereign God, a sovereign king, <clears throat> he don't need to ask anything. He already knows everything. But the reason he asks is to push us to excellence, to push us yeah. to what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Love is an action word. It is. It's a verb to love. It's action. It's something that we should do. And it's also something that we should be. But why does he design it this way? Going back to my original questions, let me give you another uh, uh, bend on this thing. <clears throat> the reason that he gives us things that seem to be so impossible for us to do is because he knows that it's impossible for us to do it. And he gives us this challenge knowing that we can't do it by ourselves, but like Janice was saying, we get in him, and guess what? Through that process, he gets the glory. Exactly. Because there's nothing that we do. Right. I've had people come up to me, even recently there was, there was a person came up to me and said, man, Chuck, man, I appreciate it. Man, you saved me. And I said, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with that. I led you to the one that did. But there's nothing that we do, church. There, there's nothing. I'm not trying to cut the church and down the church. It's just simple truth. It's true. 
And, and if we focus on God and surrender to him, everything smooths out. Yes, it does. Everything. And that's what we have to learn to do. The average person doesn't ever understand that, I don't think. But we've got to get to the point. There's a remnant that does. They strive within themselves. Strive within themselves, absolutely. And as long as we strive within ourselves, we're making it about, I'm making it about me. And I got to get over here and I got to be God-centered. But I don't want to be that. I want to be Chuck-centered. And that's the way I live. That's where I'm comfortable. Chuck-centered. And Chuck has no power, no authority, no nothing, no merit. But if I get over in God, then all of a sudden God is in charge. And then there's authority, there's power. There's vision, Mm -hmm. there's hope, there's joy, there's peace, there's all of this. If you're God-centered, and that's where I have to get so that I can share God with people. I can't share God over here. Nate has said this. If he said it once, he said it a hundred times. You can't teach what you don't know. So we've got to know about discipleship. That's why we're, we've been on it for several weeks and we'll be on it for several, several weeks, weeks more so that we can become ourselves disciples of Christ. Christians on a different, deeper level than where we've been or most of us. I can't speak for you. I don't know you. So I'm not trying to cut the whole church blanket wide, but... That's what we have to do. We have to strive for more, for more of God. I think Paul told Peter in a certain tongue, you can't do what you can't see is being done. Exactly. You've got to begin doing those things that you've seen me do and serve God the way you've seen me. So as we are learning, we're being shown. Yeah. First step. Yep. First step. You look at Peter, he walks around with his foot stuck in his mouth most of the time. Every time Peter opens his mouth, he's, he's getting in trouble, it seems like, in the Word. <clears throat> but God used him to preach the first sermon. Don was talking about this Sunday. To preach the first sermon, and over 3,000 people got saved. I'll walk around with a shoe in my mouth all day long if God wants to use me that way. I'll put it in my mouth right now. I'd put Nate's... No, I wouldn't. (laughs) God can use any of us, church. Any of us. Any of us. Mm. Let's pray. If you'll just bow your heads for a moment. I I, I just want to pray over this this point here that's in the Word. Father... We ask you, Lord, to do a work in our lives. Do an amazing work in our lives and and, and in our church and in our country, in our community, God. Do such an amazing work that only you can get the credit for. We pray, Father, we we thank you that you have plans to use us and and people like us in this world. But, Father, we know that it's all you. And, Lord, 
have the glory. Be glorified, Father, in what we do, what we say, what we think, how we live, Father. As we learn to become your disciples and, and your, your child, and thank you that you love us so much and want to use us, want to be with us, want to lead us and guide us. God, thank you for not being finished with us. But you see us as a work in progress, and that's okay with you. We thank you, Father, and we surrender to your truth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So let me figure out what's next here. Let me tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about these two men. There was two men... One of them, let's see, what was her name? I forgot what their name was. One of them was O'Neill, and the other one was name was Harry. True story. And this is just a few years ago. And O'Neill and Harry <clears throat> uh, wanted to go on the mission field, wanted to go on a, a project. And they said that where they ended up going was the most unreached in darkest place on the planet. That's where these two guys ended up. Now, these two were spiritual giants. No, they weren't. They're just like us. They love God, and they wanted to share the gospel. And the opportunity came, and they said, sign me up. They didn't sit back. They said, use me. One was a chicken farmer. We got any chicken farmers in here? Huh? You've known a few? Chickens or farmers? (laughs) Or both? I had a brother-in-law that was a chicken farmer. Name was Robbie. Bless his heart. Robbie was a, uh, he's a character. He was a character. I remember one Christmas we went over there and they had, it had gotten cold. And so they had changed the big oil tanks. They had like three chicken houses, and they'd turned the tanks off for the heaters. And they filled them back up, and they left. And he didn't go back and check on to make sure that they were, the tanks were open because it was heated with propane. And so it got cold, and they huddled together, and 8,000 chickens died over just some little. Now, he needed help cleaning up the 8,000 chickens. That's a lot of Hmm? <laughs> Well, well, you think positive, don't you, brother? (laughs) Yeah, it's a whole lot of other stuff too. But this these this chicken farmer and this superintendent of a school went to the darkest place. That's 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 the way it was described uh, to them. Just a dark, 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 dark place. Now, three years later. After they went and they ministered to this one village, three years later, there's three churches in the area. Isn't that amazing? I mean, come on. You're just sitting there. Isn't that amazing, church? That is amazing. Three churches. And I'm lying out of my teeth. 
It didn't happen that way. Three years later, in 350 different villages, there's 350 different churches. Amen. That's the truth. You can believe that. <laughs> now, how come we didn't get as excited over three churches as we did 350? Think about that. that that's not in my notes, but think about that. That's why I stretch it. Huh? Well, they, they ask, people ask him, um, what did you do? And their only response was, only the hand of God could have done this. Amen. <clears throat> See, that's the way God works. If we'll go out there and we can do what we want to do as his disciples, in, in our own understanding and our own abilities and where we are, because we're all in different places, aren't we? We all are, are different levels of intelligence and, and different things in our life. That's okay. God wants to use every single one of us. If we'll just go out there and do, if we'll say yes to God, that's what, stuff, that's what kind of stuff. Because they could not have done it. That's my whole point tonight. They couldn't have done it. We can't do it. God knows that. And that's why we have God's grace. I'm going to put my grace in you. I'm going to put my glory in you. I'm going to put my power, my anointing in you. Just let me do it. And then watch me. Because he gives us the power to use us. Mm, I love it. Only the hand of God could have done this. Church, I want to do something like that. I, I want to, in my life, I want to be involved in something so big, so amazing, so powerful that people will say, Chug didn't do that. It's all about giving God the glory, isn't it? Yeah, you, you, you just, and I ain't, I ain't done yet. I keep saying, I keep saying, Daddy, I'm not done. Please, I'm still here for a reason. <clears throat> I want to see that Pastor Don and I, we were somewhere, whatever, and we were hearing, somebody was talking to we hurt. Anyway, it was 1,500 churches a month closed their doors. That's a lot. 1,500. Breaks my heart when I hear that. <clears throat> I want to be a, a part. I want to I see God building churches up. I want to be, be a part of planting churches. I want to plant 1,500 churches a month or be used of it. Because, again, I can't do it. You can't do it. But we can be invested in that, can't we? God can use us, whatever we can do. What about three? Where's your vision? Where's your hope, guys? Do, do we want to settle for the three, or do we want to reach out here? Because we serve a big God. Yes, we do. 
All we have to do is let him out of the box that we put him in. All we have to do is to trust him. Trust him in everything that we do. Put him first in everything. Just like Anita was saying, she heard God say, just get on your face. Just get on your face and pray in the Spirit. Whatever he says, there's a reason for it. So I want to be a part of God doing amazing things in my life, in my country, in my church, for which only he can get the glory. Now, that's, that's big stuff. The, the, the little stuff, that's okay, but that don't really matter. I, I want to be a part of the big stuff. How about you? Amen. Do you really? What are you willing to do to be a part of the big stuff? Think about it. <clears throat> All right. A true disciple lives with faithful adherence to Jesus. Faithful adherence. So a true disciple, here's what he's saying here. He's saying adherence to the person of Jesus. Jesus is a person. Jesus wants a personal, uh, a personal time with you, he, a relationship with you. It's all personal to God. It's not superficial stuff. There's... there's People in this church that I know, I recognize their face, but I don't know them at all. And there's people in this room that I know very, very well. I've, I've spent time with you. We prayed together, cried together, laughed together. We've done life together. And that's what Jesus wants to do with us. So it says, faithful adherence to Jesus, who he is. His character, what makes him tick. You've got to spend time with Jesus to know that. He wants a personal relationship. Jesus is not saying, follow this path or follow these rules over here. He's not saying that at all. Jesus is saying, I am the path. He's the way. He's the life. He's the truth. So you don't have to follow any preset whatever that someone has taught you or, or just let Jesus, let the Spirit speak to you and lead you and guide you. Then you can't go wrong. For the followers of Christ, Jesus is not part of our life. For the true followers of Jesus, He is our life. Amen. Guys, I'm going to give it to you thick tonight, but it's the truth. If there's something bothering you, if there's something in your life bothering you or bothering someone close to you, what's the answer? Huh? What? Jesus. I don't believe you. Say it again. Jesus. All right. You're going to sing the song with him? We, we can get a duet going. <clears throat> That's one thing John do. He'd throw down on a song real quick. <clears throat> Cast all your cares. Absolutely. Cast your cares. <clears throat> a true disciple lives with urgent 
obedience to his mission. I'm going to tell you. Jesus' mission, what is it? It's a good question. But I want you to hear what I said. A true disciple, if you're learning how to be a disciple, and it's in the notes that, that you've got there, and I'll go over it at the end so you got them all written out, so don't worry about having to run through this and fill them out. A true disciple lives with urgent obedience to Christ's mission. Feel it. See it. Urgent obedience. It's not something, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll take care of that one day next week. No, it's urgent. It's, it's important to take care of it right now, immediately. Urgent means you're calling for haste or immediate action. That's what the word means. I looked it up. <clears throat> urgent obedience. A proper understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus inevitably leads to making disciples of Jesus. So if we are going to, if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus ourselves, ultimately we are going to be involved in making disciples. But first things first. So we've got to get it. What does it mean to be a disciple? Again, if you don't know it, you can't teach it. If you've not lived it, you can't can't show it in your life. You don't know. We've got to be doers of the word. We have got to be people that that are searching for God and what, what his plans for us are. His plans are for us to make disciples. That's his mission, church, to make disciples. Are we obedient to it? Huh? Are we obedient to it? That's what this class is going to lead us to, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely, John. <clears throat> Let me give you a key. Now, when I say a key, back when I was, was uh, uh, ministering in, in our church, I would have keys, and they learned pretty quick, you better write that one down because... but. But I've got your notes, so don't worry about that. You don't have to write it down. But it's important. We don't make disciples by conjoling them. That's not how we're going to make a disciple. There are certain ways, and we're going to get into it in the class, of how you make a disciple. First and foremost is you've got to be a disciple so that you understand it. It's not just been something that you've heard. It's something that you are living And if you are living as a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you can teach anybody. You don't have to learn this lesson or that lesson or keep these notes and go by that outline. You don't have to. Let them mimic you, and they'll be a disciple. But first, we've got to become true disciples of Jesus Christ. But don't conjole somebody. To conjole somebody is, is like... You speak insincerely. You do a lot of talking. It's like a bird in the cage. You know how birds are just chirping and making noise or whatever? It's just noise. Guys, that's what the world is doing. 
And that's what everybody is listening to. And even the church is listening to the noise of the world. God showed me that today. And he told me, he said, Chuck, don't listen to the noise. Shut the noise out and listen to me. God is that still small voice, but so powerful. Oh, moves heaven and earth. Mm. Listen for God's voice and shut the noise out. That's one thing that we really need to learn how to do. So don't try to to fast talk your way into somebody and lead them. Oh, man, I know this, and I know this, and I learned this, and I learned this, and oh, on the second week, we'll go. Not, not that. Love them into the kingdom. Share God with them. Let God save their souls. Put them on a new path, and then you just love them more and more and more. And all of a sudden, they'll start being like the people they're hanging out around with. They'll, they'll start being like you. There was a guy, Jim Williams. I don't know if I've mentioned him in this church or not. But Jim led Janice and I to the Lord. What, 150 years ago, I think. <laughs> Long time. I met Jim. <clears throat> We're working at CNA, Collins and Aikman, down at, in Albemarle, <clears throat> making carpet for cars and stuff. Whatnot. And we had a break. And my machine broke down, and he was working in another apartment, and, and I thought he was Fruit Loop. I, I thought he was just a Fruit Loop. <clears throat> so I found myself alone with him in the, in the break room there, and <laughs> I knew nothing about God. I mean, I'd been to church before and stuff or whatever, but I knew nothing really. And... Uh, Something got into me, and I thought I was going to uh, trick him up. I'm thinking, he's just kind of cocky. He thinks he knows it all. We'll see about this. So I asked him some what I thought were hard questions. He just knocked them down. And so after a few minutes, I'm sitting there with my jaws dropped, and I'm thinking, wow, whoa, there's something to this. And before I knew it, I'm asking him, well, Jim, when do you normally take break? Maybe we could start taking breaks together. Because what he had, I wanted. Because he had spent time with God. And he loved God. And he loved me enough. Somebody that was, was trying to make fun of him. And he knew it. But he... Talked to me like I was an average, decent person. And I wasn't at the time. Can't argue. It was absolutely amazing. And the next thing I know, uh, we're meeting after work. We'll go out and get coffee because we work third shift, so... 7 o'clock in the morning, it's time for coffee, so we go get coffee. And uh, uh, it, it would be 11, 12 o'clock before I'd even get back home to go to bed to get up for the next night. I couldn't get enough of it. And he kept feeding me and feeding me and feeding me. And so I got saved. And then Janice saw something in me, and she wanted some of it too, so she got saved. Praise God. That's kind of the dominoes, how it works. And, 
and it it was we were walking around in in a in a fog, just so happy, it, in the clouds kind. And that man, and his family and his children, adopted us. And we spent the next two years together, where you saw one, you saw the other, didn't they? Went on vacations together. <laughs> we went to the beach one time. And we had like four bedrooms and a thing. I had them all filled up. And I'm thinking, okay, beach, playtime. Wasn't playtime, it was ministry time. Praise like going to the beach with Becky. It's ministry time. <laughs> <clears throat> so we were there. And, and it, you know, he'd start in the morning. He'd start in the Word in the morning. I'm thinking, will he ever shut up? Let's just go walk on the beach or something. You know, I didn't say nothing like that, but that's what I was thinking. <laughs> And, and what are you laughing at? I was a new Christian. Come on. <laughs> but been there. <laughs> but it, it, that's what discipleship is. He spent two years with us, loving us. And he finally moved down towards Florida, and we lost contact after, years later. And I loved that man, loved his family. And I had the honor of preaching his funeral. It was amazing, it was, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm off on a rabbit trail here. Sorry, Janice. <clears throat> it, but that's, that's what you have to look forward to, church. Pour yourself into people. Love them. Let's not just get people saved, but let's disciple them. Let's, let's, let's hold on to them. Have life, absolutely have life with them. In Matthew 28, now that's towards the end of the book, Jesus stood on a mountain with his disciples. And Jesus was talking to his disciples about going out and stuff or whatnot. He didn't have to flatter them. He didn't have to conjole them. He didn't have to speak insincerely to them or promise them anything or get them all worked up in a lather or something. He didn't have to do any of that. You know what he had to do? He called them in a circle and told them, he says, whoa, guys, whoa. Too far, too fast, too soon. Now, why was that? He had his disciples, and they were gung-ho. They were like horses out of the gate wanting to win that race. You don't see that today, but his disciples were like that. Why? What happened to his disciples that made them want to just go crazy over spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. They lived with him. They lived with him, just like uh, Jim and I did and his family. We, We were so close all the time. But they lived with Jesus. They saw him. They prayed with him. They saw the miracles day in and day out. They walked here and there and back and forth and traveled with Jesus. They saw Jesus arrested, beaten to where he was unrecognizable, hung on a cross, and they saw him die. But it doesn't end there. They saw him, our God, our Savior, resurrected. And then they walked with him. And he kept on ministering to them. 
one of the last things he said, it says, wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm paraphrasing that, but that's, that's, he said, just wait. When you get the Holy Spirit, when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, I'm going to send you. Because he wanted, Jesus wanted his disciples to be able to go out and do the work that he knew they couldn't do themselves. They were willing and able just really. But he said, if you go out without the power and the anointing, that's what Don was doing up here. The Holy Spirit had control of the whole service Sunday. Because it was about all about the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to be disciples ourselves. Amen? Yes. We need that. We can't, go, we can't be disciples without God's Spirit. We can't be disciples. We can't, we're just lost without the power of God. God can't use us unless he, we let Him fill us up with His power. That's what a disciple will do. The first thing is let God fill you up. <clears throat> Praise God. So what if, church, what if one of the primary reasons, I want you to hear me now, please. One of the primary reasons, if not the, the one and only primary reasons why, have, have, why we have this, this spectator mentality. I'm going to be a spectator. I'm going to sit on the sidelines. I tried my best to get John sitting over there, but he wouldn't do it. But that's what we want to do. It's to sit on the sidelines and see somebody else do it. When you're sitting here on Sunday morning and you see stuff going on up here, if you have an opportunity to get up here and get involved, get involved. Because this is where the action is. And outside of the church building out there is where the action is. If you want to see revival, don't spectate it. Don't look and, and, and look for the headlines on the 6 o'clock news, it won't be there. Or if it is, it'll be the fake news part of it, and that won't work. But don't do that. Be involved in it. Do everything that you can do. Be everything that you can be. Say everything that you can say. It doesn't matter if you're smooth and, 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 and you can give a nice good sermon or a sermon illustration or quote scripture or whatever. It doesn't matter where you are. It just matters what you're willing to do. That's where it starts. And as you start doing, as you start doing that, that one small thing that you can do, pray for somebody if you can pray for them. Love somebody. Share Christ with you. Nate and I were at a restaurant not too long ago. We were sitting there and this waitress came up to us, whatever, and she was pouring a coffee. I drink a lot of coffee when I sit in restaurants, don't I, John? I do. I love my... Bill won't even go out with me no more because I drink too much coffee. He's afraid I'm going to drink more than his share, right? John will do it too. <clears throat> but Nate and I were at this restaurant, and so I asked this waitress, I said, I said, what's your name? And she said, 
destiny. And I said, I go to your church. (laughs) I don't go to church. I mean, she was in my face. Adamant. I don't go to church. And I said, you don't. I'm thinking, boy, this is going to be interesting. You don't? No. My family, we're atheists. And she said it as proudly and as cocky as she could because I brought it up. So she's, she's really giving it to me. And, and I said, your whole family? Yes, sir, my whole family, we're atheists. And then I, I asked her, I said, Destiny, are you an atheist? Uh, well, no, I, I'm not. No, but my family is. And, and I said, well, okay. So we tried our best to witness to her as she's going back and forth and, and doing her, her work and everything. And I gave her a card. And I asked her, I said, if, if you, she said, I'll, okay, I'll take this card and I'll ask my mama about it. And I said, that'll do you no good. Because you said your mama is an atheist. And I said, she's not going to be for that. And I said, are you married? She, no, I'm not but 16. And I said, well, okay. Then uh, why don't you pray about it? Why don't, why, don't, why don't you give me a moment because we can't do it here. Why don't you, here, call me and my wife and I will come and we'll sit down with you anywhere you want to, here, restaurant, or it doesn't matter where. But we'll come and, and we'll talk to you about it. I'd love to have that opportunity. She's never called. But we know where she works, don't we? And we know her name is Destiny. So maybe she'll show up in this church one day. That's what I'm hoping for. <clears throat> but what if the primary reason for this spectator mentality we have? Why do we have this mentality why are so many people sitting passively by when people are on their way to hell why do we do that church we're just soaking it in we're, we're spectators and we're on the sidelines that's where the church in general is but why is that could it be because we've misunderstood understood what it means to be a disciple in the first place. If that happens to be it, that's that's just a a question that I wanted to put out there. Because if that's what it is, then we need to run headlong towards discipleship so that we can change our mindset and we can be like the disciples of, of Jesus in the first century, and, and he'd have to say, whoa, whoa, guys, whoa, slow down. You're going too fast. Can you imagine Jesus saying that about his church? Wouldn't that be wonderful if he was saying, man, i I, I got to figure out a way to slow this church down because they're on fire. Say that out loud. I said the 
said there is a half, half a million member church. And the only way you can get into their 10,000 seat auditorium for the Sunday morning service. For the Sunday morning service. To bring someone with you you just led to the Lord. Wow. Ah. Wow. Where is it? Seoul, South Korea. We can go. We're going on a world tour, aren't we? You are. I'm going with you. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's another one that's close like that. And it's in... Uh, My goodness. It's, it's in... Uh, oh, not so, not so, but... Uh, not America. No, <laughs> no. Uh, well, there's one in Indonesia that's only uh, about... Praise God. 1,500 a day. Praise God. Yeah. Uh, there are 25 million Christians in China. They don't build churches. No, they don't. They build Christians. Amen. They build Christians to the tune of 15,000 a month. Revival is taking place all over. Exactly. We just have to begin to move in. We do. We do, whatever it takes. So let's, let's go back to this. <clears throat> could it be that we've misunderstood what being a disciple is all about in the first place? Could, could that be why we are on the sidelines? Could it be that we have minimized the magnitude of what it means to follow Jesus? We just minimized it. It's not as important. Because, church, we're all about ourselves. Remember before? I can be Chuck-centered, or I can be over here and be God-centered, but I can't be both. No, can't. So I'm going to be over here where it's comfortable. Hmm. I got my house the way, I, the way Janice wants it, but I've got my house. <laughs> <clears throat> I've, got, I've got my shop, and I'm fixing to build me a man cave. Okay. <clears throat> I won't get into that, but. <laughs> That's another woman talking. Don't listen, Trent. Jen. <laughs> I'm gonna go home and cry. <laughs> Actually, the house is working out pretty good, so I can't, I can't argue. A she cave. She shed. The she shed. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Now we've started something. <clears throat> but if we've minimized the magnitude of what it means to follow Jesus, where is the church headed? Where are we headed? Guys, we need to break the mold. We need to break out. I hope that you, you leave here tonight with, with things stirring in your spirit. I really do. I, I hope that every night that we meet is that you go home with something to grab hold of and say, well, okay, all right. I need to look at this for me because you've got to personalize all of this. Yes. Or it's just another somebody up there saying stuff or whatever and you forget it and, and you just might as well stay home and watch TV. God forbid.
a church, let me say it this way, to live with radical abandonment. That's the first thing we said the first week. To live with radical abandonment. And the next thing we talked about was was faithful adherence to his person, to the person of Christ. To adhere to him, be faithful to him, who Jesus is. You've got to know him, not just hear about him, but know him personally. Faithful adherence. The next thing was urgent obedience. To his mission. To be urgently obedient. Urgent means immediate. Do it now. There's no time to waste. Guys, I don't think that there's any time to waste. I think God is moving. As Pastor John was talking about, he's, in, he's moving in other countries. But it needs to be here. You don't want to be left behind, do you? I don't. I don't, I I want to be a part of what God is doing, wherever God's doing it. I want to be a part of that. It's just a drawing in me. It's just like a magnet that I want, God, let me be part of what you're doing. And if I'm not a part of what God's doing, have you ever been in a place in a time in your life where it seemed like the whole world and everything was passing you by? I know John said he spent, what, a year in in a recliner? Waiting to get healed up two years. And now you can't stop the man. That's good. You know what it's like, don't you, brother? And it's no fun. You got so many dreams, so many things going on or wanting to go on, and you're stuck in neutral. Guys, let's get out of neutral and put it in drive and get somewhere and do something. Let's be disciples of Jesus Christ. But all of this will cost you. All of this, this uh, faithful adherence to his person, urgent obedience, radical abandonment for his glory, all of that will cost us. This is not a free ticket we're talking about here. It will cost us, but it will cost this person, the self-chuck, not the God-centered chuck. It's not going to cost me anything. God's got it. But if I'm over here, it's going to cost me, me. And it's going to be uncomfortable. God is not interested in me being comfortable. He is, but not first. That, that's not what it's about. We're here to serve Him. We're here to glorify Him. How do we glorify Him? By being a part of the mission that He's on. And if we're sitting on the sidelines, we're not giving God any glory. We're not. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's dead. <clears throat> I submit to you tonight that the cost of non-discipleship is far, far greater than the cost of being a part of what we just talked about, of that urgent obedience, about obedience to his mission, obedience to who Jesus is, obedience to, to, um, to radically abandoning everything that we talked about. All of that cost us. 
but the cost is far greater if we're going to sit on the sidelines. And you know exactly where we have to go with that. There's a cost for all those who settle for a casual association with Jesus. Do we want to continue to be one? That's up to every one of us. That's up to this church. That's up to our community and the other churches. There's a clarion call from God. And I heard that today. God spoke to me today. He said, Chuck, I'm putting out a clarion call. I said, God, I've heard that that term before. And I had. I guess you have too. But I looked up what clarion meant. I'm thinking, well, it's got to be in the dictionary. That's, that's what I'll do. I'll look it up. Clarion was a, a mid-centuries, old, long time ago trumpet. And it put out such clear, sharp sound <clears throat> that it could be heard Forever, And people knew because of the pureness of this clarion. That's what they call this instrument, the clarion. And, he's, and so I'm thinking, well, God, what you're saying to me is that you're putting out a clear, sharp call to your people. How would it be? How would it be, this is nothing to do with my notes, but how would it be if revival's coming and it all happens out there somewhere but not here? How would that be? How would that make you feel? Why is it that you've got a church of half a million and the only way you can get into the 10,000 seat church is to bring somebody that just got saved? That you just won over to the Lord. That's the only way you get in. Why does that happen over there? It's happening all over the world. Now I'll tell you what. I'm going to go talk to Pastor Don. So when you come Sunday, the doors might be locked. You better bring somebody with you. <laughs> Not just bring somebody. One that have just given their life to Christ. Not just anyone. Well, that's what I meant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone that just gave their life to Christ. And you know, I felt, I don't call it a shame, I felt bad that only Gene and I were in our car coming in. Because we need 40 people here, minimum, Mm -hmm. to hear this. Yeah. We need 80 people here. We need the entire church. All right, next week, while we're talking about it, let, let, let me share with you. I asked you last week, uh, but I want you to do something. I want you, and if I ask you long enough and enough weeks, whatever, maybe you'll get it. But next week, bring somebody in this church or friend or family or whatever. But just what John said, what John said is the truth. The church needs to hear the truth of discipleship. It really does. The reason that we're setting this up 
is because we're having heaven's gates and hell's flames this spring. The last week of March. And we're going to open it up and people will come forward and people will get saved. Mm -hmm. I know that's going to happen. I just know it. God told me a long time ago when we were traveling, he said, he said, Chuck, he said, because I was praying about the altar. He said, Chuck, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fill the altar up depending on how much the church is ready to receive these people. I'm thinking, dear God, help us. Now, that's sobering. Because when, when God says something like that, he's not, he's not messing around. So, let's get ready. Let's get ready. We don't have but a little bit of time, really, to get ready. Go ahead. And, and can, we say, can I say something else? Like yes, sir. I said it once before. Many times we pray. And we, most of the time when we pray, we ask God what we want and what our desires is. But most of the time, when you pray, God hears what you're praying for, about, and God will not give you what you ask for. God will give you what you can manage. Do you hear that? God doesn't give you what you ask for. Now, he has it set for you, but he only can give you what you can manage. Because the same way he says even to his disciples, and he told his, the people, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the labor, <laughs> everything else is already ready. But I don't have enough people going to do it. He only give you what you can manage. If you want more, manage what you have first, and then he's going to give you more. That's, that's, that's the way God does. That's his principle. That is his principle. And we can't wait until March to begin. No. So we're not people around us. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. It's about yes. life. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway. This is, this is for God. So we're talking about, guys, we're talking about the cost of all who settle for a casual association with Jesus. They miss out on the abundance and the satisfaction and the joy that he has for every one of us. Amen. That, that's gone. That doesn't happen. If you have a casual attitude towards Christ... There's no joy in your life, or not the joy that, that you're looking for, that you can have. So if you know somebody that, that's not joyful, just not just absolutely giddy, just happy, happy, something's wrong. Whether they're Christian or not Christian, there's something, they're missing something. Only Jesus can fill us up with what we need. Only a relationship with Jesus. And we've got to be on his team or we're going to be off of his team. There's no middle ground. No. There's no lukewarm. You know what he says about that. Either be hot or cold. Yep. I read that years ago for the first time. And I'm thinking you'd rather me be hot or cold than on the fence. Well, at least if I'm on the fence, if I'm lukewarm, at least I'm kind of not all cold. 
But you see what damage that lukewarmness does. And if we're going to be lukewarm, if you are going to be a lukewarm person, I'll just put it personal to you. If I'm going to be a lukewarm person, what good am I? How can God possibly use me? He will not. And life will go by. All the joy, all the peace, all the happiness. We can have heaven here. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Oh, I stepped in it now. What, brother? Keep, keep, keep stepping in it. <laughs> but we can, can't we? Amen. God's, God knows the plans he has for you to give you hope and give you a future. Hallelujah. He knows the plans. I just got to get in line and say, okay, Father, I'm here. I'm all yours. I'm on your team. I'm hot. I'm not cold. I'm not on the fence. God, use me. And mean it because he knows your heart. So you're not going to lie to him and get by with it like I was trying a while ago. Yes, ma'am. Excuse me. Get up here and preach the rest of this. Flow through me. And what position do you want me to do? Fulfill. Become. Is that what you're asking God? For me? What? What? What, what are you saying? I lost, you lost me. You're talking about, you know, I want to be on God's team. Yes. Yeah, what position? The team has positions. Yeah. And which position has God given you the desire? Well, you can't be quarterback. Well, you're already there. <laughs> John. Messing me. He can give you a bunch of backups. <laughs> Was that a cut, John? <laughs> I, I, I took that person. <laughs> yeah, you felt the compliment. Yeah, you did. Praise God. Let's, let's wrap up. <clears throat> There's a cost for all of this that we're talking about, having that casual association with Christ. There's a cost that comes with a monotonous routine that sometimes we call it Christianity. We get in that monotonous routine. We come to church, we sit in the same seats, we talk to the same people, we do the same thing. If you're a worshiper, you might get up and you might sing out a little bit. If you're not, you might get up and just, I've, I've seen people when I'm up there and, and they're out here and they go, I mean, they don't even pretend. John will at least pretend. <clears throat> in the light of this, I want you to bow your heads and we're closing with this one thought. <clears throat> Will you commit tonight to follow with him? Will you commit tonight? To walk down the path of radical abandonment for his glory. Just take a moment and say, God, you will or you won't. 
But I'm asking you to make that decision. And you talk to God tonight. Let, let this be personal to you. Will, are you ready to abandon you and your will and your desire? Are you ready to abandon your little place that you've dug out for you? God, I want to give you radically abandon me so that I can clean myself out so that you can flow through me. Will you commit to the night, my friends, to depend on His grace, not your smarts, not your money, not your position, not anything to do with you. Will you commit tonight to just simply depend upon His grace? And you can say, God, you got this. If you will, will you admit and commit tonight to adhere to the person of Jesus Christ, to seek a personal, personal, personal relationship with Him? And it will no longer depend upon anyone outside of you for that relationship, just you and Him, will you commit to that tonight? I pray that you do. To know Him personally. <clears throat> to adhere to His person. And last but not least, will you commit tonight to be obedient to his mission. God, whatever your mission is, let me tell you again, is making disciples is his mission. That is his mission for you. Will you commit to be obedient to making disciples, to get out of your comfort zone? God, I'm not going to make any excuses here. I don't have any that's going to hold up. I am what I am, and you love me. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to, it's five after we've gone later than we ever have. Let, let me give you some quick notes on this right here. Number one, do you want to write them down or you want to do it next week? Okay, uh, God chose me before the foundation of the world, number one. Before the foundation of the world. <clears throat> two, it says two and three. It's two, nothing in me is born of merit, M-E-R-I-T. Nothing in me is born of merit. Everything in me is born of merit. Grace. <clears throat> Born of grace. Three. Four. I can't do this. Only God can. Only God can. <clears throat> Five. Father, do a work in my life. 
comma, my church, comma, for which only you can get the glory. Six, a true disciple lives with faithful adherence to Jesus. That's important. Faithful adherence. Seven, going too fast? Jesus, you're not just part of my life. You are my life. A true disciple lives with, number eight, urgent obedience to his mission. Amen. Number nine, as I understand what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, nine and ten are counted together, a disciple of Jesus Christ, it inevitably leads to making disciples of Jesus Christ or to Jesus Christ. Making disciples for Jesus Christ. Eleven, his mission is to make disciples. My mission (laughs) is to live with urgent obedience to his mission. That kind of says it all, doesn't it? Urgent obedience to his mission. Thirteen. Am I ready to abandon my spectator mentality Spectator mentality. 14, am I ready to weigh the cost of friendship with Jesus? Because there certainly is a cost. To weigh the cost of uh, friendship or fellowship with Jesus. All right, 15, there's A through D. A, I commit to live with abandonment for His glory. Abandonment for His glory. B, dependence upon His grace. Dependence upon His grace. I'm committed to live with C, adherence to Jesus. Adherence to Jesus. And D, obedience to his mission. Praise Jesus. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.